Welcome to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. Back in 1984, my friend and radio producer Larry Massett sent a proposal to the National Endowment for the Arts and the Smithsonian Institution saying he wanted to drive around the country interviewing people who were, quote, on the road, unquote, hitchhikers, truck drivers, criminals, in order to document I don't know, their peculiar cultural values and social mores for posterity, something like that. And they said, okay, gave him $5,000. They supported projects like that back then. Larry asked me to help him, and I said, sure. We started in California in my Saab 99, but then it broke down in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So we bought a 1974 Delta 88, basically a Cadillac for $400 and drove it to Key West, then up to Washington, D.C., where a starfish Larry was taking home in the trunk started to smell so much we couldn't get in the car. So he bought a Chevy van for $1,000 that we drove to Bozeman, Montana, along with all the taped interviews we'd collected. And Barrett Golding helped us mix the show together at the public radio station there, KGLT. Maybe it was 1985 more than 30 years ago, a different era for sure. But this is the show as it aired on All Things Considered. This backpack you see here, that's my home, okay? What kind of life is that? I'm doing what I want, nothing holds me. I can go from here to Interstate 270 and stand there and stick out my thumb and catch a ride. might have 10 cars go by me, maybe 50 cars will go by me before I get one ride. But I never know. It's a chance I take. I like to choose my own destiny. drivers are the last of the American cowboys. There's no doubt about it. I mean, most all of them, I did my time on ranches, roping cows and uh, putting fences, throwing hay, you know, all the old stuff. Whether it's just the drifter and people or what, I don't know. I like to travel. It's not like going in, punching the time clock, going doing the same job for 25 years. I don't know how people do that. I couldn't do it. Just no way. I feel good when I'm on the road. And, uh, most truckers that I've run into are pretty much loners. You know, you have a tendency to be that way. And uh, you get up in your truck and you, nobody bothers you and you can drive and do your business and you don't have a boss standing over your shoulder telling you what to do. You might have a dispatcher on the phone, but you can always hang up and tell him to go to hell, you know, and it doesn't matter. And while you're driving, you can, you know, reflect back on things that happen to you and, you know, look forward to different things because every day is something different. You never know what's going to happen. And that's what's nice about it. so many people. You just, you're always on the, on the move. You're always meeting people. You're always in a new town. You get burned out in one place and you head down the road to the next community and you live there for a few weeks or whatever and then you get burned out and head on down the road to the next community, so on and so forth. And it's always a new experience for you. You never get, you know, become a robot. I've been rebellious ever since I was a small child, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13 years old. I've been rebellious. 
I started running away from home and traveling the country when I was 12 years old. And I did my first major trip from coast to coast when I was 12 years old. And that trip took me about four months, and I did all my own. And at the time, I was uh, parents had the law looking for me, and everybody was hunting for me, and they all thought I was dead and all this good stuff. But I was just out living my life the way I figured it should be lived. I'm, I'm a total outlaw in every shape of the word. I do narcotics. I like to smoke pot. I like to drink. I like to party. I don't like to have a house and a mortgage and car payments and three three kids and wife. I'm not interested in none of that. I'm out here to make my life better because I was put here to have a good time. I wasn't put here for anybody else's pleasure but my own. side of the highway and he had his arms outstretched and both fists closed. He was uh, pretty close to the pictures in the Holy Bible in the King James Version and uh, the love that Jesus had in his eyes for me was unbewildering, you know, I mean, I could just look at his eyes and I could tell that he had so much love for mankind that he's came back now to reign as king on the earth. Where is he? Where is he now? He lives in the Oregon mountains. Really? Really. Jesus comes down out of the Oregon mountains and stands by the roadside late at night and watches for people that have uh, come to know him. All of the heads of the churches were out to get Jesus. He was introducing a new form of religion and, and the old priests couldn't handle it because they had their own bureaucracy that they'd written themselves. They can't nail him to a cross anymore though because he's too big now. <laughs> How big is he? He's 80 foot tall. And these trucks are his roller skates. <laughs> I would say probably the best time I ever had is I was hitchhiking in, in uh, California and I was flat broke and I had no money and uh, I had no prospects to get any money. I hadn't eaten for a couple of days and I was standing out on the side of the road and it was about 80 degrees and I was sweating to death and I thought I was very uncomfortable at that point. And this guy pulled up in a Jeep and picked me up and took me to his house and turns out he's a millionaire and he lives in, lives in Bel Air in California. So I go to his house and he puts me up for like four months and uh, I don't pay anything. I don't pay for food, I don't pay for any lodging, I don't pay for anything. We just sit around and drink beer all day and at the end of the day we 
go and sit on the beach. He lived right on the ocean. Walked down this hill from Dana Point, and we walked down into the ocean, and we just party out. It was just like I was a little kid again. I had absolutely no responsibilities to anybody. I didn't have to give anybody any money. I didn't have to worry about supporting myself or anything. It was all there. It was all given to me. pick up dogs and cats and scrape people. I try to help them out. Until they prove themselves otherwise, I treat them like a gentleman, see? But I have seen many, many young people come down here flat broken. I've stuck my hand in my pocket, give them like a couple of days uh, eating or something like that. In the old days, we could leave our homes wide open and go out and everybody liked one another. We went to dances and we all knew everybody. And there was no strangers in, in our midst. But now we feel so much, so, so many people, new people here that we have to watch them as they come up and watch them as they go by. In other words, they're suspicious of them. Who are they? They don't know who, you, who you're going to talk to nowadays. But in the old days, it was altogether different. Everybody knew everybody. We more or less married my friend's daughter. My, my friend's daughter would marry my son or something like that, you see. The quality of life here is eroding because we're shying away from each other. We're scared of each other. about five miles, old car run hot. He got out ready to hood. And I got out, walked around there, and one fella, he hit and knocked about 10 feet up shoulder of the road. Got out there and stomped me and left me there and took my money. Took $82, or yeah, $82 money off me. That's some rotten paper. He was in the Marines, he'd come out of the Marines in 42, I think it was. Come out here and I got him a job firing on the railroad. He worked 30 days and told me to shove it. Went back down northeast Texas and he's never worked with nobody since. All he's done is sell menace. Menace? Little tiny fishes you fish with. Okay. He hasn't made enough money. I bet you that you could buy everything he's got for $500. But he's just as happy as a bird in a gilded cage, see? 
His wife's happy, he's raised a family, and they're all happy. Well, if that's what you want, well, that's success. Now, me, I wouldn't be satisfied with that. Not by a whole lot. And I've got a good pension. I've got a home paid for, and a car paid for, and a cup paid for, and I've got three notes on houses in El Paso, and they're paying me. I'm not rich, but I'm not hurting. In other words, if I want to go to China, I'm going to China. I want to stay in the door. She settled down. She's married to a Texan. I don't like him at all. I don't like him at all. We don't get along at all. He kicked me out of I went to see it. When I went down there, I, I was promised a place to live until I got my own place. And I went down there, and uh, he kicked me out. I said, hey, I don't need you. I told him. I said, I don't need you and nobody else. I can make him my own. I slept. I slept on this here campground for oh, a long time. But I, I, I succeeded, you know, and uh, I got food in my gut. I worked my butt off and stuff, and I made it. It wasn't me that done anything. My father was gone away, and my uh, uncle, he had uh, supposed to have accidentally murdered my mother, which I've never seen in my life. Uh, he was supposed to have uh, decapitated her head, and her body had, when they found her, had cuts all over it and slices and deep indentations and was buried up by a dried up riverbed halfway dried up but uh, when I say I haven't seen my mother I'm not old enough to remember her I, I get uh, sights and visions and I seen a picture of her one time After that, I was put in uh, uh, something to do with the courts. Uh, legal custody. The courts had uh, control of me. And they put me in foster homes here and there and uh, things like that. And foster homes ain't all what they're cracked up to be either. So, uh... I ran away. Time I ran away, I was 15. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I ended up in San Diego. <coughs> it's the weather from being on the street, believe me. At 15, your knowledge is very minimal, especially about the scene that I had to go through and the things that I had to deal with. I was offered money for sexual favors. 
for sexual ordeals. And I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't do it, and I wouldn't do it. Finally, I got hungry and hungry and hungrier. I did it. I become a person that lives out of here on benches, that has an intelligent mind, that does not belong in the surrounding atmosphere that I'm dealt with. What I mean by that is people sleeping in parks, covering, literally covering themselves up with sand to keep warm on the beach, uh, crawling in bushes, like myself last night, I was very fortunate. I found myself a whole blanket. And I, you know, I felt, I, 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 I felt very, very happy finding that blanket. Because I was cold. I was cold. I wouldn't have been if I had a job. I wouldn't have been if I had a job. I don't like living on the beach. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, everybody could use a chance. What about the Army? Didn't you learn anything in the Army? Oh yeah, I learned something in the Army. What? I'm the best damn tank driver you're ever going to meet. Street theater, come on, street theater. It's just uh, the oldest form of theater there is. All theater started on the street. It seems like in the last 50 or 60 years or so, somehow America lost touch with street theater since the streets are going mostly to the cars now. It used to be where all the, all the politics, all the art, all the theater, everything was all out in the street. What do you do? Well, I do uh, rope walking, juggling, some magic, some fire effects, fire manipulation. I walk on broken glass. I do rope escapes. Uh, it's just uh, a matter of relaxing. Knowing in your head you can do it. Once you know you can do it, then you can do it. You can dream it, you can do it. <laughs> I had that old green truck sitting over there with the windsurfer on top, and that's it. That's my home for seven months of the year. I go around the United States and Canada and uh, see what happens. <laughs> expressing the spirit of America. You know, I'm the, uh, what you might call the voice of America, the, uh, the love it or leave it clan. I'm wearing a striped uh, red and white alternating uh, slacks, 100% cotton, made in America. And I'm wearing uh, roller skates, which were also a product of this fine country. Red, white, and blue, right to the bones. You know, it's wake up America time. I've given my life to this country, 
but uh, basically I'm selling pants and I'd like to sell a million pair, you know, red and white stripes. I'd like to see everyone in America wearing red and white stripes to express the old glory that we, uh, we've come so close to, uh, to knowing. I'm, I'm presently involved with people that, uh, that have access to video equipment and I'm hoping to get this message on tape and uh, perhaps on, uh, on the TV. Na national TV would be just great and then I'll find out where America really is. You know, I'd like to see everyone in America wearing the, uh, the striped pants. are, what you are, and understand the things around you, then you're able to endure things that you couldn't under endure if you, if, if, uh, otherwise. See, even even throughout uh, the last two, well, last winter and a half in New York City, I walked around in nothing but shorts, no short sleeve or no shirt at all. Even in the winter? Even in the winter. How did you do that? Uh, well, an elevated state of consciousness brings forth the elevated durability. So that's the, that's the best answer I can give you. I was a Baptist minister uh, some nine, eight years ago. Jesus said, go ye into all the world, observe all things, and don't judge them. All right? Then once we learn this, then we have no need to be in subject to another creature outside of ourselves. You don't think that the U.S. government has any real power or real authority over you? It doesn't. Uh, I'm under observation by FBI, and I'm, I'm aware of it, uh, but uh, they won't touch me until until I finish my work on Earth. And then what will they do? Uh, well, I don't know if it'll be them or someone else, but the, they'll shoot me. I am Sister Ivy. I don't know how to read one letter in English or any other language. But I could read your palm and I read your vibrations. You'll be thinking of something and I'll tell you what you're thinking of. I speak of past, present, and future. All of our future is in our own hands. The Lord and the God Almighty have given us our life to live. That's everybody. We live it whichever way we choose them. You could be a drunkard. You could be a businessman. You could be an honest man. Or you could be a thief. And our life is in our own hands to do what we want with it. All right? And I wish good luck on you. And I wish good luck for the world. For everybody on earth. And my prices is not very much. people along American highways with original music composed and performed by Larry Massett, co-produced with Scott Carrier, audio engineering by Barrett Golding. This work was financed by the National Endowment for the Arts and the James Smithson Society for the Smithsonian Institution's American Stories series. It's All Things Considered. Actually, you've been listening to Home of the Brave. That was Scott Simon back in 1985. I'm Scott Carrier, and I'm here at my house in Salt Lake City. I don't know about other places in the country, or I guess even the world, but the weather is changing here. 
The days are still kind of hot, but the nights are cooling down and there are more clouds. Tomorrow, I'm going to drive north to Montana to start working on a new story. And maybe I'll be able to drive through Yellowstone Park at night. That's the best time to do it because there's no traffic, no hassle, and I can drive with the windows down and maybe smell the beginning of fall. I had a tough summer, but it's over, and I'm glad I have a job where I can start over. A new story, a new season, and I think it's going to be big. And there are some photos of people on the road on our website, homebrave.com.